We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is second and ten coming up for Chicago. It's there for Cohen. He's going to outrace his blockers and outrace everybody. In the secondary he goes, and he will not be caught. Touchdown, Chicago! Welcome back to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach Pearson, and I am joined by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, how you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, we're coming off a win, finally. We can finally talk about some some nice things here and, and you know, kind of looking ahead to this week, man. I think the Bears got a good chance of going 5-3, and three, so we got, we got a lot to unpack, and we have a uh, great guest this week that uh, we'll get to here in a little bit, so this should be a fun one. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the first podcast we've been able to do where we are talking about a Bears win and not a disastrous of a loss in Miami or a, <laughs> a expected loss against the Patriots, I guess. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, wasn't pretty. Uh, not like, you know, a lot of their games really haven't been this year, but they are 4-3 and three and they got off the losing streak and, and, and things are kind of progressing in the in the right direction. Plus, man, I think we got to get to some of this, this trade deadline stuff that happened today because I think the Bears were somewhat impacted by it even though they didn't make a move. Yeah, the NFC North, definitely uh, a little bit of a change there with two teams making moves. Uh, let's just get right into that, actually. So the Packers, I mean, you saw what happened against L.A. with Ty Montgomery, and then the report came out that he didn't fumble on purpose, but he wasn't supposed to take the football out of the end zone, and you just kind of had that feeling, man, he's going to be traded, like, if not Monday, eventually for the deadline, and it happened. And he goes to Baltimore, and then a couple minutes later, they trade HaHa Clinton Dick. So from a from a Bears perspective with the Packers, how does it kind of change things? I think it does change things a little bit. I I, I fail to jump into the camp of the, the Packers or, or, you know, 
tanking it in or whatever. What, where are you packing it in this season? Because I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I Really, what's going on here is you, you have a team in the Packers who just went through some organizational change this last offseason with their GM, uh, defensive coordinator, stuff that they haven't done in a long time. And now you have Mike McCarthy, the head coach, who's on the hot seat right now. So I, I don't see there being any way, shape, or form that the Packers are just saying, hey, we're packing this in. But what I will say is I do think it hurts them. I don't think Ty Montgomery kind of being misused. There was a report that came out right after the game that basically he got benched, uh, was pretty upset about it, and then they specifically told him not to take the ball out of the end zone to give Aaron Rodgers a shot at the 25-yard line, and he takes the ball out of the end zone, promptly fumbles the ball, they lose the game. They're now 3-3-1, three, three, and one. and more importantly, the Bears jumped them in the standing. So I, I understand it to a certain extent. I think ha-ha Clint Dix. I think that's a decent-sized loss, but this is also a player that I don't think the Packers were planning on re-signing in the offseason anyway. Uh, Dix had already kind of made some, made some comments about that, so I think they kind of reacted quickly and said, okay, we're not going to get anything out of him. Uh, they're probably going to have more active off-seasons in free agency now that they have a new GM. So it definitely made sense instead of banking on trying to get a comp pick or hoping that they do uh, and not signing a ton of guys, saying, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to get a fourth-round pick now. So it makes some sense, uh, but I don't think the Packers are packing it in like everybody thinks they are. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, whenever you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, I don't think you can pack it in because he's, I mean, he's worth seven, eight wins by himself. So I, I feel like they're going to be in the hunt down the stretch. And I'm, I'm kind of glad the Bears are going into this week with that half-game lead over Green Bay. Uh, it's not much of a cushion, but I'd rather be a half-game up than a half-game back. And as far as Detroit, you know, Detroit lost to Seattle on Sunday. And then they made a move. They It was kind of expected with all the talk. Um, Golden Tate, he's now gone. They traded him to Philadelphia. How is that going to kind of impact their offense? Well, it's it's kind of a weird situation because I feel like when you watch the when you watch the Lions offense, they've got three well, they had three really good weapons. Uh, with Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, who's who's really rising and rising quickly, and then Golden Tate. And I think Golden Tate kind of gave you that versatility um, and that yards after the catch that maybe, you know, both of these other guys don't give you. But I think it was more of an odd man out situation. And once again, we're looking at a situation with another team in the NFC North where Golden Tate was going to be a free agent. And there's a pretty good chance that the, the Lions weren't going to re-sign him. So once again, they acted and they said, OK, if we can get a decent pick out of him. And I think they ended up getting the third round pick. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But it's just something that you have to do. And. I'm personally happy about this because the Bears have two games against the Lions, and Golden Tate has eaten their lunch. I mean, he's just one of those guys that just always seems to do good against the Bears. So I think this is a situation where this definitely helps. I think the, the Lions are in a situation every year, it seems like, where they're hovering right around 500. I mean, they just traded for Damon Harrison. Was that last week or the week before? And so I don't think, once again, I don't think they're packing it in by any means, but I do think that this is going to be a decent impact to their offense and I, I just, I, I fail to see, I mean, it's just the Lions. I mean, it's just, it's one of those, it's like the game against Seattle. You don't expect them to lose. They come out and they lose it. You know, they're at home and they somehow lose it. And they've just been doing that all year. They're sitting at three and four. And the Bears are facing this team two, uh, two times in the, in the next four weeks. I mean, they, they, they face them in an 11-day span. They face them twice. They face them in week 10 and then once again in week 12 for the Thanksgiving game. So this is a situation where this is going to be a direct impact to the Bears playing them. Hopefully that's a, that's a favor for the Bears at this point. 
Yeah, you talked about those two games that you know, two and three stretch there. Um, that that's arguably the most important stretch of the season for the Bears. They have three games in eleven days, and they see the Lions twice. And you know, coming out of that, you know, you got the Vikings sandwich in between. You're gonna have to find a way, hopefully, to get to two and one. If you whether it's win both home games against the Lions and Vikings, or you know, winning the both Lions games, we losing to Minnesota, whatever happens, you have to find a way to go two and one because if you take care of business against the Bills this week, you'll be five and three going into that stretch. Getting you to seven and four, I mean, that's pretty good. That at least gives you a path, you know, to a playoff spot. Where as if you go one and two, you're kind of you're kind of stuck because I don't think you know, I don't think you'll be in first place if that happens. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting to see. I, I couldn't believe the Lions. Got a third rounder from him. I mean, Damaris Thomas. What do you go for? A fourth round pick? Yeah, and you know, it kind of it's kind of funny because we watch a trade deadline happen, and it's like nothing's going on all morning. I'm starting to wonder. It's like, okay, you have all this chatter, and then all of a sudden, you know, all these moves start happening. But what I found really interesting is you had Demarius Thomas go for a fourth. Josh Gordon went for a fifth early on. Obviously, that's not comparable because of the situations. Um, and then Golden Tate goes for a third. And then you're looking over at the Cowboys, and they're like, dude, you just gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper? I mean, Amari Cooper has had what he had, two good seasons, but he's been pretty inconsistent since. So it's just very interesting to see the value of teams that sometimes maybe act a little bit too fast versus teams that wait right up to the deadline where maybe – the, the selling team is saying, hey, you know, we're asking for a second round pick, uh, you know, a few weeks ago and then come the day of the deadline and say, OK, we kind of need to get rid of this guy, whether it's to save money, whether it's to gain a pick, whatever it may be. So you have that situation right there. And I, I think we kind of saw that sometimes waiting a little bit um, towards a deadline is more more important. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But, you know, you, you bring up you bring up the three game stretch, right, with a, with a, the Lions twice and the, and the Vikings once. And that's a very important stretch. And I 100 percent agree with you because right now the three and one in the conference, but they're 0 and one in the division. But the thing about this is that stretch is only important if the Bears go five and three and kind of circling back a little bit with the Jets game here. Right. They, they were three and three going into the game and they absolutely needed to win. I know a little uh, people were a little nervous uh, to know what to expect from Sam Darnold. But once again, I mean, this is a team that has to, that had to go from three and three to five and three to be able to set up that last eight games where it's all conference opponents and there's going to be five divisional opponents. So it wasn't pretty. But I'm curious on your thoughts on the on the game overall, and uh, you know, just kind of expanding on what I guess what we saw and what we should expect to see this week. Yeah, I mean, that was a game the Bears had to win. I I don't I don't like using the must win word because obviously every game's a must win. You got to win. You can, you can't lose. You can't afford to lose a game. But that just felt like I mean, that's a beatable opponent at home. Your favorites, the Jets, haven't really shown much at all this year. And the Bears, I mean, that for that first half, it was a snooze fest. It was seven to three, and I'm thinking, oh man, here we go again. Like they're gonna find some way to blow us. No Khalil Mack, no Allen Robinson. Something's got to happen. But come out of halftime, you have to give Matt Nagy credit. He made adjustments. You saw the video that the Bears released. He challenged Mitchell Trubisky, and it, Trubisky delivered. And Nagy made the the proper adjustments. And you know, you're in the second half, and all of a sudden, you're up two scores and holding the lead, and you get that win, and, and like you said, that was that was so important because you cannot afford to go into that three-game stretch in that second half of the season, you know, w- with a three and five record or even a four and four record because you do have 
winnable games, you know, on the road against the Giants and 49ers with those divisional games. So, yeah, I, I like what I saw on uh, Sunday. The one thing I wanted the Bears to do was to come out, punch the Jets right in the face, score early, and they did that, and they got up 7 nothing. But it was just, man, it was a snooze fest for that first half. Well, and I think we're starting to see – well, I'm not really starting to see. I mean, I think we're continuing to see outside of the Tampa Bay game that the Bears – are a young team and they're still inconsistent. And I think that's really what this is coming down to is the fact that it's taking them traction, um, you know, or taking time to, for them to gain traction in the game, whether that be a hot start and then they kind of fade off or lately what it's been is they're kind of, you know, sleepwalking through the first quarter or two of the game. They come out in the second half and things kind of get clicking. And I know there's been a lot of talk here about how, you know, we're over Twitter and, and the different things about how maybe the Bears aren't as good as we thought they were because they're not dominating the teams they should dominate and they're being inconsistent. But the thing I want to remind people here is the fact that there is, I think there's 13 different teams right now that are in between four and three and three and four, whether that be three, three and one or whatever it may be. So you've got a lot of teams right now that are playing inconsistent football outside of, I mean, there, there's basically four teams. You got the Saints, the Rams, uh, the Patriots, and then the, uh, I'm trying to think of who the other, oh, and then and, and the Chiefs that are, you know, kind of those top teams. And then you got the bottom teams, and we're not going to get into those one and seven, one and six teams. But the point being is there's so many teams in the middle right now, right? That, that are all separated by a very, very short amount of games, and they're all playing inconsistently. And and really what, what you want to see as a Bears fan is, one, don't take any win for granted. I mean, this is a team that won five games all last year. They're a win away on Sunday for matching their win total, and they'll still have eight games left to go. So I understand the frustration. You know, expectations are high. Trust me. I mean, my expectations are high. I predicted 10-6 and six, uh, before the season started. I'm still sticking with that. That's still exactly what I expect. But a win is a win at this point, and it's just one of those situations where the Bears are a young team. They got a new coaching staff. They got a lot of new players on the team. It's taking time to figure things out, um, and I, and I expect the more consistent play to come. But the one thing I will say that I thought was a very positive development in this game is the fact that the Bears defense finally got back on track. Maybe it wasn't as good as you know having the four or five sacks a game that they were having before. But the Jets had 98 yards going into the fourth quarter, and I think that's something that that fans should really hang their hat on. This is all without Khalil Mack. Yeah, and the Bears' front seven, I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, everyone likes to rag on them. Yeah, they didn't. They got one sack, I believe, and it came from Bryce Callahan on a blitz. But, you know, early on, the Bears' defense came out. They set that tone. They forced two straight three and outs. The Jets had three false starts on their first three drives. And, and you just could tell the, the the Bears' defense was just so much better than the Jets' offense. And they the Bears dominated the run. They stopped. They went out. It's like, we're going to stop the run, make Sam Darnold, make a rookie quarterback beat us. And what happened? They stopped the run, and Sam Darnold couldn't beat them. And, you know, that was kind of the perfect game for Mac to sit. And whether you're on the side of, oh, you know, you rest him for games that you think, you know, aren't going to be as tough and no disrespect to the Jets or the Bills, but... That was a game where the Bears should have won, and they should have won without Mac, and they did. And and Sunday in Buffalo was a game they should win without Mac, but we don't know if he's going to play or not. But just to see them come out and, and do that and win that game, and and I mean, I think yeah, there was a little bit of a struggle with the pass rush. That's obviously an issue. I, there's some things Leonard Floyd has to work on, but for this week's film breakdown on the website, I actually 
used Leonard Floyd, one of Leonard Floyd's plays, for one of my three key plays. Because if you go back to that second half, the Bears just scored. Jordan Howard scores a touchdown. They go up two scores, and the Jets have a three and out. Bryce Callahan made two great plays. On first down, he had the, I believe it was a sack him on first down. And then second down, he had a pass breakup. But that third down play, Leonard Floyd was on the outside left edge and came inside and beat the offensive line and should have had a sack on Sam Darnold. But I believe it was the right guard chipped him just enough to kind of knock him off balance. But it flushed Darnold out to the right, and he had nowhere to throw the ball. And, and you know, the Jets had a punt. So I think the Bears defense definitely rose to the, rose to the occasion when they were needed to obviously that Eddie Jackson penalty does hurt he could have held up at first I thought man that was just a bad call because you're asking a defender to stop full speed running but then looking back at the replay I think he had two or three yards where he could have shifted over and not hit Darnold but you know just I I was I was impressed with the defense I still think you know that pass rush is going to need to ramp it up I agree. I, I think. I mean, the, I, I think this is one of those games where the Bears' defense kind of gained some traction. You know, it's it's not one of those impressive performances. Like I said, they didn't have any turnovers. They only had one sack. Uh, you know, so it's one of those situations where okay, they you know they could have played better. I still think they're struggling to get off the field on third down from time to time. Although they did have what was it six different three and outs. So. I mean, they're they're playing better. Uh, and the thing that I found interesting, and I'm not really sure why Jeremy Bates did this, but it seemed like they they wanted to take the ball out of in the decision making out of Sam Darnold's hands and run the ball. It was almost like watching a John Fox offense from last year, just run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And the the problem was is the Bears defense was really good against the run. And were consistently putting the Jets in positions where they were looking at, you know, third and eight or more uh, opportunities. And that's where a lot of those three and outs came. And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Buffalo game here in a little bit in terms of previewing that. But uh, at least from what I've seen from Buffalo, they've kind of taken the same approach. And, you know, they've they tried leading with the run. They tried getting a little fancy with the run, you know, running wildcat, doing all these crazy things. But ultimately, the Bears defense has been pretty good against the run this year. And as long as they can consistently tackle and put these quarterbacks in, in you know, these, these third and long situations, it benefits the Bears. So it's... It's going to be interesting to see. I, I wasn't overly impressed with the offense at times. And obviously, Trubisky had that stretch where, you know, you look at it in the second quarter. He, he started off pretty good. I think he was, what, three for four, four for four, or whatever it was. He had the screen pass to Tariq Cohen, went 70 yards for a touchdown. Uh, great play call, great pass recognition. And I think one of the big things there with Trubisky was that was a play that earlier on in the season he would have crumbled under the pressure and he would have taken the sack. And the fact that he was able to have that nice touch pass, I know it was a screen, but that was still not an easy pass to make. And to be able to execute, that was big. And I think, once again, I mean, we talked about it last week, but Trubisky came out in the second half after having a pretty rough uh, first half. I mean, I think he was, what, 5 for 13 overall. Um, just didn't look good. Came out in the second half, played a lot better and march the offense down and score touchdowns when they needed to happen. And you, you highlighted the Eddie Jackson play, and it's like, you know, the, the Eddie Jackson play directly led to the Jets going down the field, scoring a touchdown, and it put the pressure back on the Bears' offense to score, and that's exactly what the Bears did. And I just I, I think people are still being a little too hypercritical of Trubisky right now. I understand that he's having some accuracy issues. I think a lot of it's lower body mechanics, but he's going to go through stuff like this. Every single one of these young quarterbacks is, but the fact that he's – 
bouncing back in the second half, and he and he's delivering when the Bears need him to deliver in 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 key situations is something that, that fans should really take away. But it's pretty crazy to think that the Bears scoring 24 points on offense is the lowest amount of points that they've had since week three. I mean, that's just that's how far this offense has come. And, I mean, they're top ten in almost every single category in terms of yards, points, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it. 24 points this week against the Jets. I mean, it's kind of a setback, but, like, that, I mean, that's a pretty good setback there because you still won the game and the way the offense has been playing these past couple of weeks, it's like – yeah, you know, I remember the days where 24 points in two games was kind of a stretch for the Bears. But like you said on Trubisky, I mean, yeah, he still has those accuracy issues. He was very bad in the second quarter. There's no denying that. And he He's still going through all this. He's still progressing. He's still learning under Matt Nagy. And I think the the thing you got to take away from it is, is this is not still not a finished product, and the Bears are winning games. Like, there's still so much room for Trubisky to improve and his offense to improve. I mean, Jordan Howard hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game yet this season. So when they when they finally get things clicking, I think this offense could be very, very scary. And whether that's now or whether that's, you know, against Detroit or on Thanksgiving or later on the season, I mean, I think for now the Bears just Bears fans, my advice would just be just, just ride the wave, take it. Yes, there's going to be some dumb mistakes that Trubisky is going to make. And like you said, a lot of his lower body mechanics, mechanics. He is throwing off his back foot a lot. I mean, that's going to lead to a lot of accuracy issues. But you kind of saw he's, it, it's not like what we've seen in previous years with other quarterbacks, you know, particularly Jay Cutler. When it when he makes a mistake, it doesn't snowball. It seems where you know Trubisky makes a mistake and you know he could throw two passes inaccurate and then he could just throw a dime on third down and makes you you know think, wow, okay, now I see why Ryan Pace drafted him. And I think one of the best examples of that was one of the game changing plays where. You know, he had some good throws on a drive in the second half, but he also had some bad, inaccurate throws. And then he delivers just a beautiful pass to Anthony Miller, only where Miller could get the ball. And that, you know, that kind of pushed the lead. I believe it was 17-7 after that. What did you exactly, was that kind of the turning point for you, or what did you see from Trubisky on that play? Well, I thought the the overall play, and this is something that goes back to the, the beginning of the game, and really all season, man, Anthony Miller and Trubisky have the same page. And really, it's been mainly Trubisky. I, I think Miller's ran some poor routes at times uh, and maybe not lined up in the in the correct spot at other times. But I, I think a lot of this is Trubisky not being able to connect to him, but they kept going back. And I think you look at the touchdown throw and what Trubisky was able to do and staying in there, uh, being patient, and, and being on that same wavelength with Anthony Miller to say, okay, you know, I'm going to put this in a spot where only you can catch the ball and Anthony Miller knowing that that's where the ball's coming in and coming from a rookie receiver. I mean, I think some people have to understand here, you know, in college, you've only got to get one foot down. If you get one foot down and you're in bounds and that's a touchdown in the NFL, obviously it's two feet, you got to have control, so on and so forth, a whole catch thing, whatever it may be. But the fact that he had enough awareness to not only know where to go with his route, know where the ball was going to be, and get two feet down was was very impressive. And that's that's the thing is, and and it's and this is something else I wanted to bring up too is that uh, the Bears put out a video it was probably well from the time they were reporting recording this podcast on the Tuesday night. Uh, they put out a video earlier today, and it was kind of it was a soundbite of Matt Nagy um, and just his interactions with everybody and, and all that stuff. And the one thing that Matt Nagy 
went over to Trubisky after that throw and pointed out that is a special throw. That's the kind of stuff that we're expecting. And and I think for Bears fans, those are the kind of things. I mean, this is, the, like you pointed out, this is a developmental quarterback. This is a guy who's still developing, still going through um, growing pains. This is the the seventh game in, an, in a new offense with a bunch of new targets, a bunch of new guys in the offense as a whole. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that you look for. And the fact that he's doing this in the second half, not wilting in the second half like he did all of last year and the first few games of this year, the fact that he's kind of changing the script, really the second quarter has been his enemy as of late. But like you said, there's there hasn't been one mistake. There hasn't been one bad throw that's snowballing into a situation where he can't get himself out of like we've seen with Cutler over the years. I just... I think we're seeing a lot of good progression. Obviously, there's still a lot more that we need to see. But I would still say that things are trending in the right direction. And Trubisky didn't even have a great game, but I think he did more than enough to win the game. And ultimately, the Bears won the game. Yeah, and I think he did more than enough to win, you know, against Miami and New England. And, you know, one thing I want to kind of touch on before we get into this Bills game and bring out our special guest, Jordan Howard. So it's it's clear his usage has been dropping every single week. But this week he had another... 20 carry game, and, and when Jordan Howard has 20 more carries, the Bears are 9-2 and two in his career, which is a, a, an amazing number to me. Eventually, there's going to be a time where Matt Nagy's going to have, the weather's going to be bad, or, you know, teams are going to be, or dial in on Trubisky, and Matt Nagy's going to have to run the football. Now, my thing is, I don't know, I, it doesn't seem like Jordan Howard's confidence is, is shot, to say. Um, it does, it does seem like there is some frustrations out there with him in, you know, I can't speak for the locker room or anything, but it just seems like overall there's some frustrations with his involvement, his usage, and Matt Nagy's offense. Are we seeing the kind of the end of the Jordan Howard era, or is this kind of like Nagy just hasn't found the right, you know, matchup for him, or Nagy hasn't just he's just he, he'd rather go to Tariq Cohen on on early downs. Well, I think it's – I mean, that's a good question. It's something I've been thinking about because going back to that video I just referenced, uh, Matt Nagy pulled him aside after his, his touchdown run and basically grabbed him by the face mask and said, I'm you know, proud of you. Um, you know, I, I promise you we're going to keep you involved. And and I have to admit, I mean, part of this feels somewhat forced to me. I, I feel like you go with the guys that give you the best chance to win. Unfortunately for the Bears right now, they're in a situation where they're in a new offense. Tariq Cohen seems to be clicking better overall, but he's also not one of those guys that you want to have carrying the ball 22 times a game like Jordan Howard did. So you're kind of in a situation right now where you've got to work with what you've got. Uh, trading Jordan Howard today would have made no sense for the Bears, especially considering they're you know they're one win away from being five and three, and they're currently leading the NFC North. So, but I I, I do have to wonder at this point if either Nagy is still trying to feel out how you know what his fit is in this offense whatever it may be or if it's just simply he's trying to force it I, I I really don't know at this point because it's just it's one of those situations where to me Howard looks slow in this offense he just he does he's I'm, I'm not going to blame that drop on I don't think you can really call it a drop I hit him with one hand outstretched hand whatever it is but he's not really a factor in the passing game but I think the big thing is right now the offensive line isn't blocking that well. But even when Howard's getting holes, he's not breaking tackles like he used to for the most part. And he's still having those no gains to negative gains that we saw a lot last year when he was struggling uh, under John Fox. I mean, right now he's not even on pace for 1,000 yards, and his carries are right around the same of what they were a year ago. But unfortunately, the Bears are in a situation right now where the weather's going to do nothing to get colder. It's going to get windier. It's going to get rainier. It's going to get snowier. 
Uh, I mean, just everything is going to get worse, and you're going to have to rely on the ground game more. So at this point in time, whether he's here next year or not, they need to figure out how to use these running backs and get them going effectively because the rushing yards may be up there. I think they're top five, top six in rushing yards right now uh, per game on the season, but a lot of that has been Trubisky manufacturing, uh, you know, manufacturing these yards from scrambles, and that's something that Matt Nagy's pointed out. Well, yeah, that's also the thing in that game, you know, when they were up 17-7 to and they kind of had a chance to, you know, have the put or seventeen ten, I'm sorry, and have that put away drive, and you know they went to Jordan Howard, and he broke off a twenty four yard run, and he got the touchdown. You could just see when he when he reached the end zone, you could just see. I mean, his teammates were so happy for him. I mean, everyone on that offensive line, and I believe almost even the wide receivers were just celebrating with them. It was kind of it was a neat moment, and you know it made you kind of think, okay, yeah, this is when you can use Jordan Howard. We got to close out the game, but it it's gonna be very interesting to see what Maggie what Matt Nagy does moving forward with the usage of Howard and Cohen and, and, and if he has to go to Howard earlier or late. Um, but before, you know, we get into uh, our predictions about the Bills game, let's bring in our special guest. We did a uh, very special interview with Ryan Telebit from NewYorkUpstate.com. He covers the Buffalo Bills for that site, and uh, I think everyone's going to like the interview, so let's get right into it. And we'd like to welcome a special guest onto the Bear Report podcast. Uh, joining me and Aaron is now Ryan Telebit from NewYorksUpstate.com. He covers the Bills and does a great job covering the Bills. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, we'd like to get a, some insight from uh, the Bears' upcoming opponent. And we want to know, you know, after that game last night, what's what's the feeling? Was that kind of just like a tease where, you know, they were hanging in with the Patriots and maybe they could pull the upset off and then all of a sudden it went downhill? Or what did you kind of see from the Bills last night? Well, you know, maybe a partial tease. Buffalo's defense, for the most part, has been really strong this year. Uh, they obviously struggled in week one against the Ravens in the first half of week two against the Chargers uh, but from that point on they were pretty much lights out up until last week's or two weeks ago I should say against the Indianapolis Colts uh, and then they kind of reverted back to form last night on Monday Night Football so you know the defensive performance didn't surprise me maybe keeping Tom Brady uh, you know without scoring a throwing a touchdown pass maybe that threw me off a little bit but overall, I, I wasn't too shocked with the defensive performance. It, and on offense, I mean, this is more of the same. This is the frustrating part if you're a Bills fan. Uh, this offense just simply cannot put up points on the board. Uh, you know, they're, they're showing all these stats during the game last night of how the NFL is on pace to break all these offensive records. And then you have the Bills there that are that are pretty much holding the NFL back, I guess, in, in that regard, because they can't move the ball consistently. They can't put points up on the board. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation has been nothing short of a nightmare for fans this year. And uh, it looks like it's only going to be getting worse this week with, with most likely Nathan Peterman returning to the starting lineup. Well, it's interesting you bring that up uh, because, you know, Bears, Bears fans have been through the same thing. I mean, we we suffered and I mean suffered through some John Fox offenses. Uh, we suffered through some Lovey Smith era offenses and even really Mark Trestman in the last year. But 
What I got to say is, I mean, I've watched a decent amount of Bills games this year, and they remind me a lot of the 2017 Bears and the fact that they have a good defense. They have some good talent on the defense. Uh, and then you look at their offense, and I think, obviously, they're a little bit away um, in, in terms of what they have, but they have a, a highly drafted rookie quarterback there in Josh Allen, who's obviously not going to play this week. But, I mean, in, in terms of long-term, I mean, he's going to be the guy. So... I, I guess I'm just curious when we're when we're looking at this Bills offense, uh, you know, w- what do you foresee going on with Josh Allen? Do you see any developmental concerns moving into next year? Uh, he doesn't really have a, a lot of receiving help there, or is this somewhat of a similar situation to what the Bears went through a year ago with Trubisky, and it's just going to take another offseason of adding weapons around him and and, and developing into a good offense? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Right now, we don't even know if Josh Allen's going to return to the lineup this year. Uh, Brandon Bean last night in the pregame show in Buffalo was talking about the fact that they're being very cautious with Allen because his elbow injury is something that you see more so in baseball, uh, and that's something you, you usually see in football. So they're not sure how to approach it in terms of, you know, he says he's feeling better, but he's really not even throwing a football at this point. Uh, will he return this year that, you know, that's yet to be seen if he does it, it, you know, the bills have made a few little minor moves here. They signed Terrell prior today. Uh, prior obviously had one season of success in terms of, uh, you know, stats from a stats perspective. So he could give, uh, Josh Allen another weapon if Allen does return to the lineup later this year. But I, I would say right now that that's not even a sure thing at some point. The Bills do need to make a decision on, are we going to wait and see if this guy can come back this year and give him some extra reps, which obviously reps would help, or are we simply going to shut the guy down, let him experience you know, life on the sidelines, which I think was their original plan uh, before everything kind of went haywire this offseason in terms of you know Nathan Peterman outperforming everyone in the preseason, uh, trading away. Uh, you know, A.J. McCarron, things like that. So I, I think originally the Bills didn't plan to throw Josh Allen into the fire this year. They wanted to give him that experience. So maybe this will be a blessing in disguise, but they, they definitely need to build around him this offseason. Uh, from a cap perspective, they have a very healthy cap going into 2019. That's been one of the growing pains here in the last two years with uh, Brandon Bean, the, new, the GM. He took a lot of uh, dead cap this year, uh, over $50 million, in fact, more than just about any other team in this league just so that way the Bills could be healthy in, in terms of their cap space going forward. And, uh, you know, I, I think in, in free agency they're going to to look and see what's out there at wide receiver. I don't think you're going to see any premier talent, but I think you could see some under-the-radar guys get targeted by the Bills. You might see them address offensive line in free agency. And, and, and then as it stands right now, the Bills have a top-five pick in the draft. So there, there's many different ways it could go with that. It could be getting some blocking help for Josh Allen. It could be getting him a wide receiver. Uh, if one of those guys emerges from the pack there, I think there's a lot of talented wide receivers in this year's draft, but no one really stands out above the rest as of right now, in my opinion. Or they could even surprise, maybe maybe not surprise, but maybe they could go out and get a uh, uh, you know Nick Bosa, someone that can actually pressure the quarterback, which is another problem that the Bills are having uh, this year on the defensive side of the ball. So, you, you know, th- those are the decisions that the Bills have to make here in the near future surrounding Josh Allen. So, you know, going into Sunday's game, obviously this is the final game for the Bears against the AFC East. They're 1-2, and two, and this is a very winnable game as far as Bears fans are looking at it, and a great opportunity to get to 5-3. and three. Now, About this Bills offense, though, who, I mean, who should really scare 
Bears fans on that side of the football? Or, I mean, is there anyone? I mean, LaShawn McCoy does not look like his explosive self. Kelvin Benjamin looks slow. And then, you know, Nathan Peterman's going to start. Is there really any threat on this offense that should strike fear in, in the Bears defense? You know, I, I would say no one right now, like you said. And I'm not sure if it's LaShawn McCoy maybe not losing a step. I'm sure that's part of it at his age. But I also think the offensive line has really struggled to block up front for the running game uh, in the passing game as well. They obviously had Eric Woods' uh, retirement come up this offseason. They had Richie Incognito, who kind of you know flew off the handles, so to speak, and then they lost him as well. And they didn't really do a great job of addressing that. They flipped Vlad DeCoste to left guard, and then they had a center battle with Ryan Groy and Russell Bodine, both players have uh, struggled this year in that role. So I think the offensive line hasn't helped in terms of creating running leads for LaShawn McCoy. Uh, If anything, I think Brian Dable is going to have to be creative, kind of like he started out the game last night against the Patriots, maybe a little wildcat, Um, you know, just different formations, a lot of movement, trying to make the game easier for Nathan Peterman, whether that's screen passes, just quick throws. Um, You can't let him overthink things because as you saw in that Texans game a few weeks ago you know he he, he's still learning in terms of what he sees on the field and he got tricked into uh, making a throw that he really should not have made and the Texans play that beautifully so I'd be very worried um, you know if I'm Bills fan going into this game I think the Bears have a very good defense uh, I, I think if the Bills have any want any shot or, or to have any shot for them to win on Sunday, they're going to have to create some turnovers on, on defense and possibly score on defense if they want to even hang in this game. Well, those are my thoughts exactly. When I when I look at here, you look at the records and you can talk about how bad the Bills' offense has been, whatever it may be. But the fact is, and and this is something that I want you to kind of expound upon a little bit more here, is the fact that the, the Bills have a good defense. They have a lot of talent. Trav- tra- sorry, Tredavious White is a very good corner. And when I look at this, when I look at this Bills team, uh, I, I think that if you're looking in terms of exploiting matchups for the Bills side, I, I, I do think that the Bears offense versus the Bills defense could be one of those situations. And, I mean, they're not giving, much, giving up much uh, in, the, in terms of passing yards, but I'm kind of curious to get your take on this because the one thing that Trubisky's kind of struggled with this year, uh, outside of his inconsistencies with accuracy at times, uh, sometimes decision-making, is the fact that he's not very good against the Blitz, has uh, been inconsistent to say the least there. Uh, but one of the main things that kind of concerns me going into this game is the fact that Trubisky has struggled against man coverage. So I, I, I'm kind of curious to get your breakdown of the, the Bills' defense versus the Bears' offense and what type of advantages that the Bills may actually have in this game that maybe Bears fans are overlooking. Well, when it comes to sending pressure, when, when Leslie Frazier does dial up Blitz's uh, he will send it from all over the field, whether it's safeties, cornerbacks, uh, getting getting some guys that you wouldn't expect necessarily to come in. And, and he's had some success with that this year. So I, I do think getting pressure on Mitchell Trubisky is going to be part of the game plan. Uh, the, the run defense, minus that Colts game recently, has also been pretty solid. And obviously the Patriots running backs were really banged up going into Monday Night Football. Uh, but they really limited them to about three yards per carry. Uh, the longest run of the game was something like 22 yards, and on that play, uh, linebacker Matt Milano was was pretty blatantly held, and it just wasn't called. So they, they did their job in run defense, too. So if the run defense is playing very well against the Bears, I think that'll also help in terms of their, their pass defense and building up that confidence 
defense. They they struggle to get pressure with their front four. Uh, you know, Shaq Lawson doesn't really have much in terms of pass rush moves. He's solid in run defense. Uh, Kyle Williams still, you know, despite his age, has a little bit of a motor there on the inside and can get pressure on the quarterback. But, but that's not something you expect consistently. And then on the other side, you know, Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes has had a, a pretty nice season this year under Leslie Frazier. Uh, he's a guy that can get some pressure on, among the starting four consistently. And then it, it'll depend on if Trent Murphy will be uh, available in the game too. And he at times can get some pressure. Uh, the, the linebacker position has been solid. I, I think, you know, it, it's tough to differentiate between or to choose between them and the secondary in terms of which unit's been better this year. But I would lean towards the linebackers. Uh, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is going through some growing pains here and there. He'll make some really explosive plays, some really great reads. And then sometimes he'll get picked on in coverage or uh, he'll be out of place because he he kind of falls for the you know, the play action, whatever the case may be. But he has incredible recovery skills in turn, because of his athleticism. Matt Milano is a second year linebacker who was all over the field last night. Uh, had a chance to almost record two interceptions on Tom Brady. Didn't come away with either of them. Uh, one was on a batted pass that went up in the air, and he just couldn't uh, find it. He's another guy that I think uh, ha- has long-term star potential here in Buffalo in the Sean McDermott defense. And then Lorenzo Alexander, again, another one of these guys that, you know, 30-plus-year-old linebacker, and he's having one of his best seasons of his career. He He's the only guy that got to Tom Brady last night, sacked him twice, forced a fumble. Um, when the Bills, you know, use him as a pass rusher, he's having great success this year too so that linebacker unit solid uh Tremaine Edmonds is, was is in the concussion protocol so you know having him available on Sunday would be huge if, if he's out that would be uh, a big loss for Buffalo's defense Julian Stanford would most likely start in his place and you know talent level wise there, there's a huge gap there and in the secondary you've already mentioned it uh, Tredavious White can pretty much lock down any wide receiver in this league for the most part, and he's proven that this year. Uh, you're seeing a lot, a lot of number one wide receivers get moved around, get moved away from him, be put in the backfield. You know, other teams are trying to find ways to get their top guys open because if they just put them out there one-on-one against Tredavious White, more times than not, White's going to hold his own. Uh, number two cornerback it hasn't been as strong. That's definitely an area they'll have to address in the offseason. Philip Gaines has had his moments. He's been okay. Uh, but, but definitely not a long-term starter there. But they did seem to hit on Taron Johnson in the draft, too, in the mid-rounds in terms of a slot cornerback. So some some decent talent or some really good talent there, actually, minus number two cornerback spot. And then, obviously, that safety pair, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, uh, play at a high level almost every single week. So you, you do like the, you know, the linebacker. I, I do like that secondary. They can make plays in a matchup like this. But, it, again, it's almost one of those situations where it's not just create a turnover, get an interception, force a fumble and recover it. They might have to take that ball to the house or get it within the 10-yard the, the line or the 20-yard line for the Bills to have a realistic chance of, of scoring a touchdown because, you know, they can get into field goal range and have a really consistent kicker. But in, in the NFL today, you need to put some touchdowns up on the board, and that's been their big, biggest issue this year. And you talked about Tremaine Edmonds, the rookie, and going into this draft, um, he was kind of one of the names that many thought, you know, Ryan Pace might take a shot on. He kind of fit the mold from previous Ryan Pace draft picks, and instead the Bears went with Roquan Smith um, at inside linebacker. What have you seen from Edmonds this this year? You know, I, I've been 
very impressed with him. You have a guy that when he was drafted was 19 years old. He, he did turn 20 shortly thereafter. But you have a 20-year-old linebacker who who's, you know, the quarterback of the defense. He, he's out there calling the plays, making sure that people are lined up properly, uh, you know, making changes out there on the fly. And, and I think he's done a very, very good job of that overall. And, and like I said, there have been times where he, he's biting on play fakes and, and he's, you know, trying to make a, a play there, thinking that it's a run play and it's a pass and he kind of gets caught. He's he, at times quarterbacks have picked on him in the past game, but he also has that, that freakish ability where, okay, you might trick him a few times, but there's also going to be a few plays where he, he might come up and make a play. Uh, he missed time to jump last night early in the game that probably should have resulted in interception if he would have timed that correctly. Uh, there was another game where he jumped out in front of a pass. And again, he didn't come up with the interception, but it had been in, a, in one of the earlier matches where he was kind of getting picked on. And then he, he kind of made that player. He made some adjustments. So considering his age, considering, you know, how much better he, uh, you can envision him being here when he's 22, 23 years old. I, I think the bills did find a, a future star in this league, not just, you know, uh, a guy that's going to be a cornerstone player for the Bills, but I think a guy that's going to be a household name in the NFL. Absolutely excellent stuff, man. This is this has been very informative for not only I'm sure our listeners, but uh, even for me, because I unfortunately, you know, uh, you have a tendency, especially covering the Bears, covering the NFC North or whatever, uh, not to really get a chance to watch many AFC teams. But this has been. Very informative. A lot of great information from you. Uh, before we do let you go, I would like to get a, uh, a game score prediction from you one way or another. Uh, you know, how are you feeling the game's going to go on Sunday? You know, I think the Bears will end up winning. I, I think it'll be a low-scoring contest as long as Buffalo's defense shows up. Uh, I'll say 17-9 to Chicago. Okay, okay. So you heard it there. Uh, Bill's... Uh, beat writer predicting a bear predicting a bears win but i gotta ask you ryan before we let you go because i saw you wrote on this and i actually saw this last night what the heck was espn thinking with this applebee's hot wings thing yeah you, you know i get you have your sponsors and you have to do certain segments but but showing up on monday night football and doing the this whole medium and hot wings segment with Applebee's boneless wings is not going to go over well in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, obviously the home of the chicken wing. You could go to just about any uh, dive bar in, in Buffalo and get a good chicken wing. So, you know, that was something that I knew would, would get some Bills fans talking if they were watching it. If not, uh, post some pictures from that segment. It, it was definitely an odd call for them to do that segment, but at the end of the day, you have to, you know, make your money in this league and, or in, the, you know, in this business. And uh, Applebee's is clearly one of their bigger sponsors. Yeah, I was watching that and I saw your article. I just, I couldn't believe. It. I've been to Buffalo. I have family that kind of lives in the area, and I just, I was like Applebee's, and then I kind of realized it's a sponsor. But so, what is your favorite wing place in Buffalo? Just before we let you go here. Ooh, oh, you put me on the spot there. Um, Gabriel's Gate. Gabriel's great. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to, uh, next time I'm there visiting some family, I'll have to uh, check that out. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. That was some great stuff on the Bills, and our listeners are really going to enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. And welcome back. Uh, that was our interview with Ryan Telebit from NewYorkUpstate.com. He does cover the Buffalo Bills. That was some pretty good stuff from him on the Bears' upcoming opponent this week. In week nine, and Aaron, what are just what are your general thoughts about this game? I think 
without trying to jinx the Bears. I mean, this is just a, this is a game they have to win. Now, when you look at it, I think they're in a lot of ways. I think they're kind of a worse version of the Jets right now. Maybe a little bit better of a defense, but a much worse offense. But ultimately, they don't have an offense. This is this is a Bills team that has scored one touchdown in the last three games that they've had. That the last two games that they played, they have not scored a touchdown. So. I mean, and, and they're going to be playing a much better. They played the Colts, and then they didn't score against the Colts. And they're sorry, they didn't score a touchdown against Colts. And then they played the Patriots, and they didn't score a touchdown against Patriots. So ultimately, it's a situation that the, the the Bears absolutely have to win the game. I just I don't think there's any other way around it. They're better on both sides of the ball. Uh, I I do wonder, and this is something we talked about with Ryan, is that I I, I kind of wonder how what kind of game this is going to be for Trubisky. I, I know a lot of people are kind of projecting him to have you know this breakout game, whatever it is. But watching the Bills and the limited amount of time that I have watched the Bills, one of their biggest issues is the fact that their offense is so bad that it wears on the defense. It's a lot like the Bears were last year. Not something. I mentioned within that interview, they 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 do remind me of the Bears from last year. Uh, maybe not quite as bad of an offense, uh, the Bears, you know, from last year to, to the the Bills this year. But I think when you when you look at it overall, you have a strong defense with the Bills, but they 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 wear down over time. So I think this could be a situation where they have a they have good defensive backs. They get a decent amount of pressure on the quarterback. So I I. I I could foresee another slow start where maybe we're kind of feeling the same way we did after half of the Jets game where maybe the Bears are up, let's just say, you know, 10-0, 10-3, whatever it may be, and we're kind of wondering, okay, really? Like, are they about to come out and lay an egg in the second half? And then, you know, right around the mid-third quarter or whatever, then the Bears start kind of pulling away. Uh, but, I mean, overall as a matchup, I mean, this is just a game the Bears have to win. Um, being in Buffalo, it's not going to be an easy game. Uh, the Bills Mafia comes out full force regardless of how bad their team is. But I just I, th- I think when you look at it, there's not a side of the ball, whatever phase it might be, whatever, you know, really whatever player it might be for the most part, where the Bears aren't better than the Bills. I mean, this is just a game they have to win even on the road. Yeah, I agree 100%. You have to, you have to find the way to get to 5-3. and three. I've talked about creating that path. And, you know, standing in your way of that is Nathan Peterman. And I don't want to get too far ahead because I, this, this is a game the Bears should win. But we saw what happened with Brock Osweiler. When the Dolphins made the announcement, essentially Saturday night when it was revealed that Osweiler was going to start, I mean, man, I was, okay, Bears won. Bears are going to win this game. Great. That's a four-game win streak. And we saw what happened. I don't think the Bears let that happen again. I think they're going to dominate defensively, but I do see the Bears' offense having some troubles, especially early on with this Bills' defense. I think the Bills are going to throw some pressure at uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and they have do have some playmakers on that defense. You know, I, I don't want to say they're all better than the Jets' playmakers, but I think the Bills could do a little more with the blitzes, and they have a really good cornerback in Tredavious White, like, like we did mention with Ryan in that interview, and... It's going to be interesting because if, if Allen Robinson starts, you're going to see White on Allen Robinson a lot, I would have to say, which is going to open up some some time for you know Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel and maybe even Joshua Bellamy, who's seen an uptick in production over the since the last game. So I do see this being a little bit of a low-scoring game, and I, I, I can see the Bears' offense struggling. I hope it doesn't. I can see them struggling. But, I mean, it would just be nice just to have, like, a Tampa Bay game or just, you know, like a 35-3 finale, and and it's just easy for the Bears. But um, So before we wrap this up, Aaron, let me get your prediction on this game and maybe one thing to watch for. Well, I originally made the prediction 
and I, you know, I think I'm just going to stick with it because, like I said, I think I think ultimately what's going to happen is I think the Bears are going to play close in the first half and maybe even through halfway through the third quarter, most of the third quarter. And I think they're going to pull away in the fourth, kind of what we saw last night with the, the Patriots and the Bills. Uh, so ultimately, I think it's going to be I, I think I had th- yeah, 31-13 is, is my score prediction. Uh, really, what I'm going to be looking for is on the on the defensive side of the ball um like you said it's the very good chance it's going to be nate peterman uh starting over Derek anderson because Derek anderson has a concussion i think he's a little bit more banged up in that in general um but i think the biggest thing that i'm going to be watching for is can the bears find a way to get pressure on the quarterback this is a game for me that I, I think the Bears need to build some sort of momentum more than just a win. I think they need to build some sort of momentum, some sort of confidence going into these next three games. We just talked about the next three games after this where they face Detroit twice and Minnesota once. This is a big stretch for them coming up. They got to get to five and three. But in the meantime, I think they got to build some momentum because, like you said, they've got to go at least two and one during that stretch. And I think a big part of that is going to be playing into the confidence of how, how – they how they come in to, to that stretch and i think really the biggest thing for them is they've they've got to win this game and i think they got to win it a little bit more convincingly yeah i'm so i'm gonna go it's gonna be a little bit of a low scoring game i'd say i'm, I'm gonna say 17 to 6 i think the bears will hold the bills to two field goals um bears should find the end zone twice i, I can see them finding the end zone once on defense once on offense and getting a cody parkey field goal um but yeah i mean you said this is a pretty big game getting to that five and three and and not being disappointed going into a, you know, a home game against Detroit, and then the following week you have a home game against Minnesota. So, spirits. If you win, you get spirits high, and and you're five and three, and there's at least that path, and and you feel really good about yourself. So, let's 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 hope they uh let's hope they do come out with the win. But you know, my thing to look for is I'm gonna see if, if Vic Fangio and the Bears can get a pass rush on Nathan Peterman early, and force him and maybe maybe even sending blizzard but force him to some bad decisions kind of like what they did when they stopped the run with sam darnold and, and you know sent the occasional blitz but you know make nathan peterman beat you take lashaw mccoy out the game and just make nathan peterman beat you because I, I i hope i don't jinx it but i i don't see that happening well, and that's that's the thing. I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, Brock Osweiler. You know, everybody thought the Bears were going to beat Brock Osweiler. Osweiler at least had some success in the NFL at one point. I mean, he had to have in order to get the contract that he got from the Texans. I mean, he's kind of failed, whatever it may be. But I mean, he has a good history against Bears. He's three, he's three and zero against Bears. So, with Nathan Peterman, he's somebody who he's he's unproven. And he was he was drafted last year. He's been absolutely awful. I want to say that his quarterback rating. Last time I saw it, it was it was under forty. It was under forty, which is absolutely terrible. I mean, he his his passer rating in those two plays that he had went up just because he completed passes. I mean, this is somebody who has thrown an unreal amount of interceptions, and it just doesn't seem to be stopping. So it's just it's one of those games where you know you, you kind of have that feeling, oh, you don't want to jinx them, or this seems too good to be true. But ultimately, this is a game that the Bears have to win, and I think it's a a game that the Bears are absolutely going to win, and it would be very nice to see, like like we both pointed out, it'd be just it'd be very very nice to see the Bears defense take this one over, get some sacks, force some turnovers. It's not going to take much to force turnovers against Peterman. It's it's just simply not. I mean, their their best receivers, uh, Calvin Benjamin, they got a bunch of guys out there. I have no clue who it is. And even if even if uh, Pryor is playing in the game, it's not like he's going to be a big factor. It's going to be like Rashard Matthews from last week. I don't even remember seeing Matthews on the field. It takes receivers a while to learn the offense. So 
Ultimately, this is a game that the Bears should handily win, and I expect I expect them to handily win. Even if it's a lower-scoring game, you want to see the dominance. You want to see them jump out early, and you want to see them hold that lead and, and then eventually extend that lead and really just kind of kind of break them down. I, I know that sounds kind of kind of weird, but I want to see the Bears break their will a lot like they did to Tampa Bay. I mean, a, a game like Tampa Bay, even if it's not as high as scoring, uh, I, I think it's something that the Bears can really use, and this time they won't be going in the bye to be able to screw it up. Yeah, and like you said, there's really no one that scares me on this Bills offense. I mean, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is what he used to be, and I mean, he still has a big play you know, ability, but I I don't see him going off against this Bears defense. Um, I see a Bears win. Well, Aaron, that's another episode. Uh, thanks again, man. It's been, uh, been a blast doing these again. No, absolutely, man. I think we're... I think we're hitting hitting our stride right as the Bears are hitting their stride. We're hitting our stride, and uh, we got two good guests in a row, and we'll we'll definitely make that uh, you know three next week. So we'll just have to have to hope for a hope for a Bears win, and you know, um, in the more recent uh, future here, hopefully you have a good Halloween, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. And thanks again for listening. Um, we'll be back next week, and thanks again to our guest Ryan Telebit of NewYorkUpstate.com, who covers the Buffalo Bills. I'm Zach Pierce. You can find me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Aaron, where can they find you? You can find me at Aaron Lemming, 1M NFL. So, yeah, we should be, uh, we're always active on there. And obviously, you can find us on the Bear Report message boards as well. All right. Thanks again, guys. See you later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.